Welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show. My name's Steve Bowes. It is so great to be here with you today. Um, Trish McFarland not with us today. She had a conflict, but we say hi to her and, and we'll welcome her back soon. And I'm sad she's not here because today I get to officially announce, even though we did announce this uh, on our website and online the other day, but it's the first time uh, on the recording that I can uh, proudly share the news that just the other day, our little HR Happy Hour Show, our little HR and Workplace Podcast, crossed over 2 million downloads. So we were super excited about hitting that milestone. And I did want to thank everybody for listening for all these many years, all these hundreds of episodes. And of course, I want to thank uh, just everyone who supported the show, who's came on the show and helped us get the word out about the show. It's been a, a great run. And I can remember when we first started doing it, I literally would have to teach people with, like, I'd have them hand me their iPhones and I'd have to instruct them on how to download a podcast so they could listen. And uh, we've come a long way since those days. And I just want to thank everybody. And I especially want to thank uh, all our past uh, supporters and sponsors, but also, most importantly, our current sponsors who have been with us all uh, 2020 so far and have been great to us. Uh, first up, uh, Work Human. Uh, they have uh, been great to us. And uh, this episode is made possible by them. And they have now introduced their new tool called Mood Tracker, which is really cool. And we're using it in our organization as well. It's a modern voice of the employee tool built by data scientists that make it fast, easy, and actionable to get to the heart of your organizational issues. And you can learn more at workhuman.com slash mood tracker. And I also want to thank Paychex, one of the leading providers of HR payroll, retirement, and insurance solutions for businesses of all sizes. And Paychex also has a podcast series that's great. We've been on it, the HR Leadership Series, which provides insights around the latest trends in our profession and features a variety of expert guests and influencers, including Trish and myself. And the business series that they run includes conversations with business owners and Paychex experts around the issues of the day, including the challenges businesses are facing during the current pandemic. And you can subscribe at paychex.com slash podcasts or look for them on your favorite podcast platform. Okay, so thank you, Work Human and Paychex. And speaking of that, speaking of the current issues of the day, that's what we're here to talk about today. And we have a fantastic guest, and I'm super excited to have her, Kim Billiter. She is an accomplished industry professional in the HR transformation and technology space. She has significant experience consulting across all areas of HR services, shared services, and payroll. Prior to joining EY, she led the global HR services delivery and workday practice at a large consulting firm. Recent client consulting and delivery assignments include several broad-based global HR transformation projects with all aspects of HR service delivery and SaaS deployments for complex clients across all sectors. Kim, welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show. How are you today? I am doing great. Thank you for having me. And uh, that was quite the introduction. I'm feeling like I got to live up to something. Now. I'll tell you what, I love doing this show. We've done hundreds. Of, I'm not kidding. We have done hundreds of them. And <laughs> I love reading the bios because I'll tell you what, one thing I do, Kim, I, I'm familiar, I know who you are. I'm familiar with you, of course, but I don't read the copy of the bios typically until I do them live on the show. So I kind of like to be a little bit surprised too. And, I, you know, it's, uh, it's always great. We have so many accomplished guests and just uh, I'm blown away by the, the quality of our guests that we are able to get, including yourself. So thank you so much. It's, uh, and then sometimes I'll stop reading the bio in the middle and say, wow, that's pretty impressive, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, anyway, great to have you here. So first off, just how are you? Like I always like, I'm trying to start a lot of these shows as we're going through uh, pandemic and, and stay-at-home stuff, just with a basic question. How, how, how have things been for you and, and, and what you're doing at EY, just getting through this? 
things things have been uh, has been have been good. I mean, obviously, there's lots of challenges, and 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 we won't belabor those. But but I, I I'm also very hopeful because, you know, being a, a consultant, you know, I'm on the road a ton, or had had been on the road a ton up until sure. about 14, 15 weeks ago. But I, I've got a two year old and a five year old, and finding the silver lining in really. Uh, being wow. able to see, you know, their shiny eyes and, and get hugs every day ha has been just tremendous. Uh, love being out with my clients now with our folks, but but having this special time at home and and really embracing that silver lining has been just great. That's fantastic. So, you know, honestly, I was just saying I don't usually pour through the bios right until I read them. And I was what I was thinking though, and I didn't stop the read, but I was thinking, wow, you're doing these big service delivery and consulting engagements. Those must be tough to do when you can't actually go to the client. Because I did that kind of work for a while myself too. And, and it was so travel intensive and, and client site intensive, it seemed to me anyway. And, and I imagine still, still before all this, it kind of was, right? Absolutely. And, and, and I, but one thing I, I will say is, is I think the big, large enterprise programs obviously are still going to go on. Um, and we'll get to that when we talk later sure. in, in these questions. But the way that we go about them is, has been changed forever. Um, I mean, we have all proven almost in, in an instant um, that we can work remotely. Uh, it may have taken others longer to get into a comfort zone of working remotely and or get all the technology up and running, depending on where you were in your transformative spectrum around um, technology at your respective organizations. But, but we have, uh, in fact, um, had anywhere from continuing current large programs in a very remote fashion to actually going through, in our case, you know, working through an RFP or an orals with a client mm -hmm. from soup to nuts through this COVID environment and being remote and kicking off brand new projects. So we've all shown ourselves that, that we can do this and, and that there is no, uh, there is no better um, way than to be in person and, and having meetings and developing those relationships, um, certainly. But I think as we look forward to, as folks return to work, uh, or to the workplace, I should say, um, and to these big programs, I think we're gonna be changing the way that we do that in terms of looking at a um, at sustainability, at a lower carbon footprint, um, better work-life balance, yeah. while delivering these programs in a very uh, excellent way, but some of it, or a lot of it, being remote. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I think uh, that'll be a really, uh, good change, but also I think we'll have a mixed hybrid model as to how we go back. Yeah, this, the, Kim, there's so many super interesting points that you just made. And, uh, you know, I want to try to get into as many of them as we can. So maybe, maybe we start off with a little bit, you know, kind of, um, kind of current state where we're at. We're recording this towards the end of June. I'd imagine, you know, enterprise companies you're working with and, and, and even your own organization to some extent, I don't know, but uh, are kind of, working through this transitional phase. Now, obviously, many workplaces never did do this work from home transition thing, right? They're maybe uh, retail stores or uh, first responders and other types, but other organizations, technical companies, service companies, companies like EY, I'd imagine, right, had to go through this big transition to, okay, we're now, we're now going to work remotely. But now we're kind of, as we're getting into late June and into July, we're into some, hey, we're starting to think about what's coming next. And I wonder if you might want to share a couple of observations about what you're seeing, what you're hearing, and, and what some of the companies you guys work with are, are, are starting to approach that process and how they're thinking about it. Yeah, so I'll start with, with a couple things. Um, one, one of the things that, that, I, that I think has been fascinating is, you know, we, we typically, because we are a large global organization and we work with most of the 
you know, Fortune 1000 in some some way, shape, or fashion, which mm -hmm. also are going to be global organizations. And I, I would say that the context of a, just about anything we're going to talk about over the next 20, 25 minutes, I think is is almost certainly pretty macro level ubiquitous on a globe on the global level. I'll call out a few differences in EMEA and Asia Pac, and certainly here in the Americas, but I think everyone is asking the question, um, you know, what's the, when will this end? Um, but I think that, you know, that certainly isn't the right question. It's more about how will we continue? What does our new normal look like? You know, kind of a now, next, and beyond kind of, of look at this. And we are seeing, um, in general, I would say that most organizations are looking at this in, in, in two ways. One, um, some organizations, depending on their distress situation um, in terms of what this, what the uh, pandemic has done from an econ economic perspective to them and put them in more of a, a distressor versus mm -hmm. are they in a shock demand, if you will, where they're in over demand based on what, what's going on. Uh, and kind of looking at this in two gears. One is how do we, beyond our essential workers that we um, had in the front lines, how do we start to return people to work who is it that we return to work and how do we do that in a safe manner? And then once we get past that piece, the question becomes gear two, if you will, how right. are we going to transform? And, and really that gets into a work reimagined kind of mindset. But let me start with gear one, which okay. is a macro level. How are people thinking about returning? And it's all about safety of people. It is, um, all the technology that have to be in play, a lot of the real estate pieces. Uh, and I know there's lots of folks talking about that, but to me, there, there's one key headline in this, which is uh, folks are going to be very slow and deliberate uh, about returning to the office or returning to the work site. They're going to start with pilot groups. They're going to see how that goes, always managing and looking at, are we having spikes? You know, what, what are we experiencing from a safety perspective? How is this affecting our customers, our consumers? Uh, and then moving into more and more kind of trickle in effect. Um, however, I, I think the big tranche of employees going back as we kind of look at this slow trickle isn't going to happen until we get into uh, literally calendar year 2021. Most organizations are looking at that. Even if you are a culture of, I'll call it, a culture of attendance, if you will, or a, <laughs> right. or, or a culture of, you know, we really need to be seen uh, on this process. Even those groups are, are looking at these things differently and trying to get into that trans transformative model very, very quickly. And um, there are three, you know, really critical outcomes that, that folks are, are, are trying to, to drive. One is how agile and adaptive um, to change and uncertainty are we? How do we kind of really kind of unpack that a bit and get some comfort in, and stability in, in that agility, if you will? Uh, and then really trying to get to a trusted transition. Um, so prioritizing health and safety of your workplace and beyond, putting your people first. Um, and then the whole transformation journey. We are seeing a lot of our clients get to that transformation lens much, much faster than we would have anticipated. Yeah, that's so my work we imagined. Yeah, yeah, Kim, thank you. That's my sense of it too, a little bit. And, and, and maybe just from some of the things I'm reading and seeing, it's, it's some company, and I, look, I'm not, it's easy for me on the sidelines to judge, but you've seen some major shifts already in companies like, uh, have already kind of decided, hey, you know what? We're just going to work from home, you know, indefinitely, right? We're, this is it. This is what we're going to do. And, and, 
you know, they, they made that, that rush and then that's a, that's a transformation of its own kind, right? And they've yeah. made that determination relatively quickly, at least some organizations. Yeah. And, you know, part of it is, you know, if you start, you know, at the areas that have been hugely affected and I'll, I'll leave our favorite people, you know, for a moment here, but, you know, if you think about supply chain, what does that mean from a geographic position and what we've learned through the process of shortages and how all this stuff is going to come in to be in timing of how all the handoffs happen within a supply chain, which yeah. also ultimately has significant talent implications as well. But looking at the holistic business, reevaluating your portfolio, both in the short term. So an example of, you know, I think everyone in crisis actually comes to a more innovative uh, mindset, if you will. Mm -hmm. If you looked at, you know, not to, you know, start naming names, but, you know, a few large automakers who shifted their lines to now start making uh, ventilators. Yeah. A lot of a large organizations that were producing, you know, alcohol shifted over to do hand sanitizer. We all make shifts, right? And so how do we then get into a more creative portfolio of what we're looking at? Yeah. And as it relates to the ranges of what we get to when we start talking about strategic workforce questions and, and, and kind of reimagining it's, now, you know, how are we going to recruit um, in more, much more of a virtual environment? And if you think about the people who, I was just talking to a client uh, two weeks ago that literally he was on day five and he was part of the executive team in, in the um, HR organization. And, you know, he had fully onboarded in <laughs> right in the middle of the pandemic and <laughs> all virtual, never met any of his folks other than people he might have met in person during an interview process leading into it. But you think about what does this experience now need to be uh, for different organizations? And you think about managers and leaders and upskilling, reskilling, uh, really shifting behaviors as it relates to our, our teams. Our leaders have to lead much differently than they have led before. They have to model things that are different. They, they really have to show up differently to engage with our teams um, and not only engage for engagement's sake of of good, healthy things to do as an organization, but also thinking about engaging so that they're driving the right consumer or customer experience. Um, so all of this is going to change, which is why people are shifting into that reimagine really, really quickly. Yeah, Kim, I think that's a great example. And when you were talking about the automakers and the uh, the distillers who shifted, we had, we had a story on the show a little while back about a company that just did healthy food vending machines but their market for whatever reason was college campuses. That, that was yeah. maybe uh, where they started or where they got their in. And then all the college campuses closed down and they didn't, you know, what could they do because there's no one there anymore. But then they figured out that they could take these vending machines and just uh, lift and shift them to hospitals and urgent care clinics and all those yeah. places that were suddenly really, really swamped with traffic and really had the need for food because lots of the food service places had to shut down too. So it was another great example of that being able yeah. to be nimble enough to, to switch to, to meet uh, changing conditions. Yeah. And, and the other couple of cool kind of observations as well is, um, you know, many of our employers, and if you, if you do a lot of interviewing of CFO, CEO, the C-suite will tell you that they, they feel like, you know, pretty high percentage of them will say that they're going to continue to work remotely. Whether mm -hmm. again, that's a hybrid model of people working uh, remotely all of the time or the people who want to come back into the office based on the footprint of the office and what you do. Can we do a Monday, Wednesday, Friday? Can we do different shifts? Can we figure out how we're going to bring people in to manage the risk on the number of people gathering and how that kind of looks uh, inside your new real estate footprint? But a lot of folks can consider that a, um, 
actually a retention lever as well. If you think about all the time people had spent prior, you know, commuting, mm -hmm. now that probably now doesn't take into account that you have two kids, you also have to, you know, make sure they're taken care of and, and getting the right the activities and schooling and those kinds of things as we kind of go through this process. But that is a, is a huge uplift for a lot of organizations. Um, yeah. And I would say from an EY standpoint in particular, uh, again, you know, professional services consulting firm, we already were largely in a place where we could function at a work from home level quite well. We, we should be very thankful about the technology that we had and our ability to do that. But even globally um, from an EY standpoint, you know, a lot of uh, some of our infrastructure that we worried about um, actually worked perfectly well, especially mm -hmm. with a lot of our centers in Bangalore and Chennai and other places of that nature. It was, it was relatively flawless to get people home. And the amount of time that folks spend um, in, in some of those countries uh, commuting every day is, is just, you know, horrific. And now to be able to, to have the technology to do that, um, there are a lot of silver linings in this yeah. for a lot of organizations. Yeah, there's been a number, a couple have been published already, but I'm waiting for more. There's going to be a whole slew of just really great, great stories and case studies that are going to emerge with that kind of confluence of, of HR and IT or the CHRO and the, and the CIO, right? Uh, and, and, and others as well working together to, to make these dramatic shifts into changing kind of work modes, work styles and supported by technologies, maybe, you know, even more, uh, uptake of cloud technologies, right? Yeah. Uh, if, you're, if, you've got, if you've got no more physical office or you can't send anyone there, then um, having all your servers there is a problem, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I, I'd expect. Um, let me do a quick reset, Kim. Uh, we're, ta we're talking with Kim Billiter. She is the America's People Advisory Service Leader for EY. We are kind of talking about some of these uh, shifts, these changes, these agile, uh, and the beginnings of more hopefully lasting transformations. Uh, Kim, we've been talking, you know, in HR and HR tech, what I spend a lot of my time on, you know, the word transformation has been kicked around for a while. It's not a new term in our space, right? We've been, we've been uh, wrestling with it for a while and digital transformation as well. But now, obviously, with the, with the pandemic and just these massive, massive kind of environmental changes and challenges, uh, I, I think the opportunity here is, is even more profound and, and more important. Is there, um, is there there's some ways you're talking now with clients or in, in com companies you guys work with at EY about how to how to approach this? Like, I guess what I'm saying is this: how how do you approach deciding? Well, we had everyone had to work from home just because. How do we decide if that's something we want to keep? Or, you know, everybody had to adopt uh, new collaboration tools. Do we want to keep those? Right? How are some of the ways you're trying to help organizations work through how to map out the next six, twelve, eighteen months going forward? Yeah, no, that, that is that is the uh, question of the hour. Uh, so thank you for asking that. <laughs> Super. Um, I know, it's easy yeah. for me to ask. I'm glad I yeah. have smart people to try to answer them. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we, we really are looking at it from a, a work reimagined kind of moniker, if you will, not to be too consultant-y about it. But oh, that's okay. Looking, looking at a blueprint to say, let's gather the data of what did we experience thus far? Do we think we were more productive? If so, why? Um, so looking at insights from a lot of the different um, data that we have available to us uh, and really kind of supplementing that with, with other data that we have in terms of scraping and, and things of that nature out, out in terms of our, our world of data, if you will. But looking at your current landscape in terms of the technology we were able to roll out, how effective was it? How efficient was it? Um, looking at um, really more of a persona 
or target state, uh, what do you want your experience to be now that we've all gone through this pandemic and we're thrust into remote? What are some of the great things that we want to keep? And, and really having uh, focus groups and, and wide ranges of, of folks kind of looking at that, having virtual wave spaces to refine what that experience is through all levels of your organization, geographies of your organization, to really um, anchor off or anchor to what you want your target state employee experience to be. And I think the word experience here is really an important one. Yeah. How do you want your employees to experience your organization now? Because there's no doubt we are all in a different spot, right? So we might have to go back and relook at purpose. We, we need to look at, again, go back to those organizations that were in attendance culture. Your culture is going to have to change with it. It's not all about technology. It's about talent. How are you now going to uh, review what your talent experience is going to be in terms of performance management? How are you going to evaluate, you know, folks? It's a very different lens than it was 14 weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so really adjusting all of those. The other thing from an experience standpoint that, that we've seen is looking at what are the benefits that now matter to people? So we, we often do a lot of conjoint analysis that, you know, when everybody wanted to work life balance and that was so high value, and I'm sure it still is, but it probably has a different lens on, on what that means. So, you know, do we want to have, um, you know, the flexibility to have stay at home work? And instead of having, and I'll use a bad example, pet insurance, we now want to have X amount of dollars that are going to be dedicated to making our home office more efficient. Right. And giving those allowances, you know, those kinds of things. We're going to have to really kind of understand that experience from soup to nuts in terms of what a reward structure looks like to set the right behaviors too. Yeah, Kim, the, the, that's a great example. And as you were talking, I thought I was thinking about like in, in a prior pandemic world, maybe at, at a big company, uh, a great benefit or a perk might have been an on-site childcare facility, yep. right? Yep. So everybody get in your car, drive over to work, drop off your kids at this on-site childcare. And, and now after all this, we may organizations or people individually, maybe more importantly, might think completely differently about the value of a perk like that. And they might think, exactly. well, well, I'd rather be able just to stay home Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, or whatever the case may be, um, instead yeah. of hauling my kids into the, the daycare. Well, it's interesting, too, because I also want to kind of be a little bit uh, uh, you know, provocative as well in this conversation, because uh, we've got an awful lot of clients as well as our own people who said, you know, I really, you know, I, I want to be home, I want to work from home and probably not under the conditions that, that we're in a pandemic <laughs> right. for sure. But, you know, even as we are going through and looking at our own organization of what is our experience going to be like, um, I have been surprised because one of the biggest things as a leader that I hear is, you know, I need to travel less. I, I need you know, to have that work-life balance, which I completely agree with and understand. But when you ask today, if you ask the question, what percentage do you think you should be in the office or on a client site and in for, for our clients on a work site? Mm -hmm. Most of our people are saying they want to be in the office or at a client site 80% of the time. Okay. That wow. would not have been the answer prior to this pandemic, I promise you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I guess also you would probably need to be careful. There's not a little bit of, um, I don't know, recency bias, right, in, in, in this too, right? Because if, if the truth was, if you were, if you, were a, you know, a consultant, you know, for, for five years and, and you then come to a determination of how much you want to travel or how little you wanted to travel. That's probably about what you really believed. And I don't right. know, like the last three months, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it may just kind of, yeah, I, I will give you, yeah, I'll give you one other example um, that, you know, we just recently did and, it, and we held a, 
a big conference um, last week. Actually, it was a two and a half day conference that normally is, you know, 5,000 people on site and, and we held it entirely virtually. Mm -hmm. um, and I will tell you the amount of people who were saying, oh, I'm not going to be able to sit and do two and a half days. Now we had big, long, longer breaks and we really orchestrated it in a way that kind of made it uh, palatable. So you're not just sitting there for two and a half days. But the amount of people that came back and said, you know what? This was engaging. We had breakout rooms as part of our technology. We were driving real conversation. I feel like I paid attention longer. Um, the chat boxes that are now in these, you know, Teams or in um, in Zoom, etc., sure. where people are interacting, people were actually raving about it, and that also was not our expectation. Uh, but you think about the dollars that are saved and and the carbon footprint. Um, expenditure here that, that we will save on is going to be amazing going forward. But we have to think about our experience and this technology differently than we think today. And we've got to find that interaction um, that can start to, I'll say, come close to the human interaction, which is, which is difficult. But we've got to find that experience and that interaction that's going to drive us forward and bring us to even more productive places than we were when we were face-to-face. -face. Yeah, it sounds like ultimately, right, the way forward for organizations is finding that right balance between how things used to be and how things we were forced to deal with things in these last few months and then whatever this future is going to hold. Because chances are, unless you were a super high-functioning organization, you know, chances are things weren't so great, weren't so perfect. And sometimes I cringe a little bit when I hear people talk about, oh, I just want to go back to how things were and get back to normal or whatever. Well, okay, things were better, certainly, but I, I doubt any, anybody would sort of argue, well, we had it all figured out. We, we were, you know, we were ticking on 100% at every level and, and, and such, right? So there, I think there was room for improvement even, even before all this came down. Right, sure. Yeah. Kim, one of the more interesting things, I was doing a little prep work before the show, and you mentioned um, the work reimagined concept, and I read, uh, I read the white paper on the EY site, which I will link to in the show notes because it's really, really good. And one of the things I thought was really important in, in this, in this uh, point of view was that you, you frame some of these HR slash talent slash people considerations, but you don't isolate them, right? That, that the, you, you guys talk about uh, implications for customers and suppliers and partners, as well as the community. And I think I'd love for you to comment a little bit about how you're working with organizations or will work with organizations to to balance these employee needs, these talent needs, say, like you said, our consult, let's just say, for example, I'm not saying EY, but let's say a generic professional services company X says, you know, the, the consultants come back and say, we would like to travel less. And then how do you balance that with what the customers want? And how, how does HR have to help sort of sort all that out and that kind of tension that might arise? Yeah, you know, that, that is a great question. And thank you for reading the article. It's great. I loved it. <laughs> you I, thank you for sending homework. it to me. So I'm proud. To, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I would say a couple of things. Number one, even prior to this pandemic, our firm belief was you have to marry the experience that you're developing and driving for your customer or consumer with your talent and your experience and in your employee, do you have to marry those two experiences together in order to attract the right talent, attract the right behaviors, um, skills, et cetera, that is going to drive through that customer experience. Mm -hmm. Those need to be melded together. And I think that is what we're also saying that is even more pronounced um, as we come out of the, the pandemic of we've got to bring those things together and, and figure out um, how do we 
really focus on, on both of those things. And, and we actually have a survey out right now for uh, a lot of our clients globally that, that's really talking about um, as organizations are looking at the factors of actually coming back um, and, and what that's going to do in terms of our business model, et cetera, is are we going to have influence that our, our employees in terms of what, what are the factors that we're going to drive? Mm-hmm. Employees and customer uh, in that response in terms of the factors and, and how that relates are almost identical. Okay. Uh, which again tells you that people are thinking about those things uh, in, in, con- in concert, which is amazing. Um, we, we will definitely make sure that our clients are understanding the implications of portfolio, because if you look at workforce resilience and, and workforce modeling, just to be quite direct about it in terms of who do we need to keep on? Who do we need to upskill, reskill? Who do we need to bring back immediately? Um, those that might be coming back from furloughs, et cetera. Right. Looking at all that has to marry up to what is the demand and the demand gets directly to your customer and your consumer. And how do we drive those two things together? And then, of course, you have the, um, the operational side of it, which gets into a lot of the you know, return to work around the health and safety issues, the track and trace, and things of that nature. All those things have to come together. Because even if you think about retailers right now and what they're doing in terms of allowing you know, so many uh, folks back into their store at a time that you have to have your temperature taken, you know, those kinds of things. All that's coming back and that experience is being driven and the safety of both the customer and the employer. Yeah, Kim, that's a great point. And I think if anything else, we talked a little bit earlier about how, you know, for these massive shifts to work from home, that the, the HR and talent functions had to work much, much, much more closely maybe than they, they typically do with the IT functions. I think uh, at the same time, the HR functions and, and, and across the C-suite are going to have to work more collaboratively across the entire suite, right? And I'm not saying that they don't now, they always have, but um, it, it does feel like, I don't know, like uh, you guys have a great analogy in the document, in, in the report I, I referenced, like these gears kind of yeah. working together and, and meshing together. And I think that's a great analogy and a great visual to kind of describe this. Uh, what's going on because none of this stuff kind of uh, exists in a silo or, or on its own what, what your customers are going to be uh, comfortable doing or what they're going to be demanding has changed uh, your yes. supply chains obviously have been disrupted and, and even the last thing the last element of, of, of you guys of the framework or, or at least the, the concept you guys laid out involves community too and I think that's super important too maybe it's always been important but it feels more important now too, like how organizations are kind of um, stepping up. And we talked about the automakers and the distillers and some of the things they did. But I feel like, uh, do you sense that, that there'd be some long-term impact for those organizations who did those kind of things, you know, that, that kind of uh, value the brand will accrue, I think. Absolutely. And I'll give you a couple of examples on that. One is, um, I think when it talks about community, I, I think as you look at organizations' brand, um, people remember in all walks of life, all sectors, all businesses, um, what you do when, when the chips are down, right? What you do in the middle of a pandemic. People are going to remember how you stood with them as part of the community. What did you do to actually serve a greater good? Yeah. Uh, and I think that is really important. And, and I hope with what we have going on uh, with even the um, social injustice items that we have going on right now in terms of those two things coming together, how we emerge as a society, as, as human beings, I think is going to be really, really important. And, and I think the drivers coming out of that is going to come back to everyone, social responsibility, your purpose, your brand, and your culture as an organization. And I would tie that to, we were interviewing a couple of clients two or three weeks ago, and one of them, um, 
actually happens to be a um, a distributor of, of beer and um, nice <laughs> and it exactly and 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 the whole thing was looking at what your consumer model is right where a lot of times it was looking at you know restaurants that's where a lot of their distribution was going restaurants and bars right they had to shift and look at okay how do we still support those restaurants and bars but I'm going to shift into supermarkets and and how things are going to kind of you know look at it from a supply chain standpoint where am i going how do i shift that model and then i would give you another example of you know a a high entertainment uh a team here if you will and, and their brand was all about safety you know people okay. don't come to you know their places and expect to get sick right we want to reopen but how do we actually manage the community manage um what we're going to do as an organization and manage our brand um, and really think about some of those kinds of things. So as we think about all those different shifts um, into society, I think it comes back to giving back to community, understanding what your brand and your culture is, and how are you going to move that forward? And, and I think it is all intertwined between employee, company, community, and ultimately what your, your value is into society, not to conflate too many different you know, things here, but those are all going to become really important as we look at our portfolios and, and how loyal people are to your brand as an organization is how you've shown up during this pandemic for yeah. your employees, for your community um, and your brand overall. Yeah, Kim, that's really well said, you know, and, and as I said, the, the, uh, some of the supporting material that I referenced does a great uh, job of helping frame that up. So it's a little bit more, you know, it's clear cause it's complicated, right? But uh uh, I, I think it's really, really important and, and super, a super uh, opportunity today, right, for, for talent leaders, HR leaders everywhere and one that yep. it sounds like you and your team are, uh, you know, you're right on, the, you're right at the forefront of it, right, helping organizations navigate through these changes. It's, uh, uh, it's been a really, really good conversation, Kim. I, I, we could probably keep going for hours, but I don't want to <laughs> be respectful uh, of your time. But uh, Kim, one last thing. Um, I, I, you know, we, I we was able to twist your guys' arms and, and get you to come to the HR tech conference in the fall if, we, if we're having it in person. And I look forward to that. Um, we'll have to go virtual if we don't. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that as well. Maybe I need to pick your brain about some of the great ideas yes. of your, your successful virtual conference. We would be happy to and, and absolutely will be there, whether it's uh, in person or whether it's virtually, you can count us in. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. This has been a super great conversation. So I'm going to put a link to the Work Reimagined report in the show yep. notes as well. Uh, Kim, is there anything else you want me to mention or just have folks do or have, connect with you even if they want to learn more about you? Absolutely. Uh, happy, happy to uh, take those connection points. Uh, I guess I would just, and you may be about to ask me this, but I, I would leave with a couple of of thoughts uh, for our people who are listening. And, and that is, I think um, those organizations that are able to get to that second gear and get to a reimagined or transformable state are going to be the market leaders uh, from, a, from an organization standpoint. But I would also challenge um, organizations that we are all at, a, at an inflection point. And for those organizations that can reimagine um, the work and the, for the future of their organization, as well as the upskilling, reskilling, and leadership changes that need to happen with their people are also going to be critically important to lead out of, of some of the economic distress that we're seeing uh, and really into the frontier to be those market leaders. So I think, you know, don't, don't miss the inflection point here to get to that higher gear and get to a, a reimagined state of, of everything that you can do with your organization. Definitely agree, Kim. Definitely. Um, 
Great, great stuff. Okay, I think we'll wrap with that. I do want to thank Kim once again for joining us. Uh, people, uh, America's People Advisory Services Leader, Kim Belcher from EY. Uh, thank you so much again. And uh, I'll put the links in the show notes, of course. And I want to thank, of course, our sponsors, uh, Paychex and Work Human for all their support. And again, thanks everybody for listening. We're working on, Kim, we're working on the next 2 million lessons. So we're, we're on our way after this show. So uh, Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate the time today. Yeah, great stuff. Okay, so that's it. So, For our guest, Kim Belichick from EY, for Trish McFarland, my name is Steve Bowes. Thank you so much for listening to the HR Happy Hour Show. We will see you next time, and bye for now.